things and considered last week kind of the basis, the foundation of this series of messages is who we were before God. But of course, there are some principles of our faith that we must accept and we must understand before we can truly, as if we want to grow, before we can truly grow, before we can truly know God in the way that we need to, and before we can truly go and make disciples, we need to understand a few of these things. We don't have to understand these things in the way that a scholar would, but just having a simple understanding. I think one of the greatest disservices to churches, to church people, is that unfortunately sometimes from the pulpits uh, across America, across our world, that these simple things don't get taught. I'm not trying to lift myself up for teaching these things, but um, I've been guilty of it from times. I, I sometimes uh, take for granted the things that maybe I might understand or someone might have taught to me. But to consider this morning eternal security, I believe that we would be amiss and we would be wrong to go any further in this series without considering eternal security. John chapter number 10. I heard it said this morning, uh, I was listening to a message by Brother Adrian Rogers, and he said in this message, he said, is the greatest thing in the world that you can possess salvation? No. Is the greatest thing that you can possess in the world uh, knowing that you're saved? Well, that's better than just possessing salvation. Knowing that you're saved is even better. Now, the greatest thing that you can possess is being saved, knowing that you're saved, and having the promise from God that you will be kept eternally, forever, that you can't lose that salvation that God's given. So we'll begin reading in verse number 25 of chapter 10, the book of John. It says, Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. When you are a saved being, when you have accepted the Lord Jesus, we are in essence branded and we are identified with him. When we are eternally changed inside, from the inside, our soul is redeemed, the blood has been applied, we are essentially branded as one of his flock. That's, that's, that's all it is, is we are identified as one of his children, as one of his sheep. I like that because I, I don't want to be a maverick. You know what a maverick is? A maverick is stock that's unidentified. That maverick is something that people don't, they don't know who it belongs to. That years ago, that's what people would try to steal from you if you didn't, if you didn't brand your stock, if you didn't put, make, get something to identify them, that's what people would steal. I can't be stolen. I can't be taken away. I'm not a maverick. I'm part of the flock. I'm saved and I'm branded, and it is the blood of Jesus Christ that places that brand of the cross upon my soul and upon my life that identifies me with him. Bless my heart. Good Lord. That's good stuff. I am thankful 
for that, no matter what politicians may say on either side, no matter what direction the world goes towards, no matter what the, the disillusion, the disarray we may face, we might all lose everything we got in the next coming year. I don't know. But if that happens, I am branded as one of his children. Not only am I, am I identified as one of his children, I am eternally secure, meaning he has not given me something that will be taken away. I have been given something that is forever lasting. I have been given something that will be here tomorrow and until time, as time continues on. I have been given something that he doesn't intend to take back from me. He doesn't give gifts that he wants to take back. And as we consider this very scripture, he says, Because ye are not of my sheep, and I say, unto, or, uh, I'm going to read verse 25 again, I told you, and ye believe not the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. Now, J. Vernon McGee made this statement, and I love this. He said, I believe in, in the eternal security of the believer and the insecurity of the make-believer. In essence, he know if they are not part of the flock, they know that. They understand that. We'll read and we'll go on in just a few moments in another uh, passage of Scripture. I, if you'd like to take notes or if you want to start, please start this morning. i got a lot of Scripture to give you. But to consider and to think about this, I'm going to try to go slow. And as we consider and think about these things, I'm glad to be identified as, as one of his children. And when I am branded and I'm marked as one of his own, I'm not a make-believer. I am a true believer. I have my faith in the right place. I have my faith in the right spot. Uh, it's not in the stock market. It's not in these things. We talked about that this morning. It's not in these things that are only uh, just part of this world. We read and thought about Jacob and Esau. They got caught up about things of this world. One day, people are going to die, and I'll inherit certain things. But I tell you what, I could let that define the way I live my life on this earth, or I'm going to get this, or I'm going to get that, and people do. People fight about that stuff. One time my dad received something, he actually bought it, and he was able to buy it because uh, the man knew his children would fight over it when he died. Isn't that a shame that we got to get rid of stuff just so people don't fight over it? It's, it's a shame that type of th those types of things go on. We get caught up in these things of this old world, and we profess Christ, and we're saved, we're, we are of him, and, we, and our life doesn't bear any fruit. I believe that's a mark of a, of a make-believer. That person's of maverick. They're not been branded by the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so he goes on and he says, My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. I don't know if you've ever been out in the dark much, but I went, I went uh, coon hunting one night with somebody, and I didn't grow up hunting anything. So you'll have to forgive me. I'm more of a fisherman. I'm not, a, I'm not too good at hunting. But I went coon hunting with somebody, and we were in the darkest place in western North Carolina, somewhere on Doggett Mountain somewhere. I don't know where we was at. It was so dark, I had a little tiny flashlight from a gas station. I couldn't see a foot in front of me. But as those dogs finally treed something, I knew which direction I was heading. I got lost and I got separated from the other people I was with. And of course, they leave me just standing stranded. But I started hearing those dogs there bailing, bowling, whatever you call it, baying, screaming, barking, whatever they's doing. 
Oh, the tree, they had a coon tree. I knew which direction to go. I knew where I needed to get with the other people that I was with. I don't know if you'd see me standing here today because I just thought I was so far away from everything up there that, that night. And I knew which direction I was going. As Christian people, as part of the flock, we hear the shepherd. We know which direction to go. And we might be standing here with our little flashlight. We can't see six inches in front of us. But we know by the sound of his voice. We know that that's where the flock's gathering. That's where the flock's going. And I'm a believer, not a make-believer, because I have that within me. Now we've understood that part, and I believe we do. It says in verse 28, it says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. It is important that God holds on to us. It is important that he maintains us. I heard it said in that same message I was talking about this morning. People, uh, the preacher, he said, people ask me if I'm worried about falling out of his hand. And he said, no, I'm one of his fingers. I'm part of his body. When we are born again and as part of the Lord and Savior, uh, the family of Christ, we are part of the body. It's not something that's just uh, dropped and left to the wayside. We're not a piece of, of, of just something that somebody would throw away. We're not a piece of trash to God that would just be cast aside into the ditch. We become part of his body. I'm going somewhere, I assure you. My father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. What he is telling us is that his children can never be separated from him once they become his children. People will try to tell you and teach to you and try to influence you to believe that you can lose your salvation, that your salvation can be taken away from you. But I will tell you something this morning. If that is true and that is the case, I don't want anything to do with God because that makes God a liar. He says right here very evidently, very clearly, that, that no man shall pluck him out of the hand. You know what the things of this world are? You know what this sin that people believe can remove our salvation, can take our salvation? It's of man. It's man-made things. It's fleshly things. It's ungodliness. Those things can't separate me from God. To look over and consider... Matthew chapter 7, you don't have to turn there, but it says, verse 23, 22 through 20, I'll probably read through 25 or 26, Matthew 7. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I, have, I never knew you, depart me, ye that work iniquity. These people, even these people that, as they say, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not done things for you, God? Have we not lived for you, God? Have we not said things that said that we're of you? We've said we're part of you. He says, and I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Those that he turns away, he never had a relationship at all with. I never knew you. Not I knew you and you got into sin and I cast you out and let you back in. Not I, I knew you at one time and you done wrong and I stripped away my redemption. To be saved more than once means that Jesus has to die more than once. It means that he would have to come back for me every single day. Paul said that I, he dies daily. He dies daily. He has to die out to this old flesh daily. That means he knows that on a daily basis he fights sin. If I sin on a daily basis, Christ would have to come again every day, lay down his life, 
Die for me again. Arise from the grave again. That's why I believe in eternal security because it doesn't make any sense that God would have to come back, that the Lord Jesus would have to come back. It, in my mind and my understanding of God's word, I believe the truth is that Christ died once and for all for each and every man, woman, child that would choose to accept him and the salvation he offers. That's why I believe in eternal security because I believe that's what the word says about eternal security. I want to point out a few things, and I want us to understand. This is where, if you take notes, please write these things down. I want us to understand first the intentions of salvation. The intentions of salvation. First, we will find an intention of salvation. We'll find evident, everlasting life. When you hear the, the, in the New Testament, when you hear the, the speaking and the teaching of salvation, everlasting Eternal life is usually tacked on in there somewhere. It's important that that's understood. It's important that we understand that this salvation we are given is everlasting. It is eternal. It is forever because the alternative is hell. It's eternal too. Hell is as real as heaven is. Matter of fact, heaven was, is a place created for us to be able to avoid hell. It's a place for us to be with God forever. It's a beautiful thought to think about the peace that's there. But our eternity is real. Our eternity is true. Our eternity is what we're facing regardless of your save, if you're saved or not. Those that we love that are lost, when we die and they die, we face eternity the same. We're going to face forever the same. We're going to answer to God the same. But our eternal, everlasting uh, a place we're going may be different. I know in my heart that I'm going to die one day. And I know that for eternity, meaning forever, meaning until as time continues on. We know, of course, time's different with God. He sees it differently. It feels different to him than it does us. But it's forever, forever and ever and ever. And it was evident through his word that he intends on it to be everlasting for us. John 5.24 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed down from, but is, but is passed from death unto life. Those believers, those that are branded by him, that are identified with him, those that are a part of his family, it says, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. We must understand and grasp eternal security by understanding and knowing that we will never be able to face condemnation. We will never be able to face true death if we are part of the family of God. People want to get you confused and think, well... You've got to do this, this, and this in your life. You've got to live up to this certain standard. There, me and Papa were talking about this last Sunday. We were sitting there and talking, and, and we were talking about the man upon the cross beside Jesus that got saved. That's proof to me right there. That is proof to me right there that there's deathbed salvation. That man didn't go to church the next Sunday and be a part of a discipleship sermon series. 
He didn't go into any Sunday school class and learn anything else. I've heard people say, I don't believe that you can get saved on your deathbed. I think that you got to live a life righteous before God before you can get saved and, and go to heaven. That is legalism. That is ungodly. That is us trying to interject what we think into God's word and, and graft it into what we think it needs to say. If I had it up to what I wanted, yeah, you need to live this way before you can get into heaven. But I am also blinded by flesh. This flesh hanging on to me makes me think I'm something, and I'm not. Deathbed salvation is real. It's there. Like I said, that man beside Jesus, he told me he'd see him that same very day. You will be with me today in paradise. He didn't have a chance to do this. But he has everlasting life. I believe he's with the Lord today. I believe one day when we get there, he'll be there with us. We'll be getting there with him. He's been there a long time. What a blessing that is to know that the intention of salvation is evident, everlasting life. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a, unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. There's a specific word in there that proves to me eternal security. And what I mean by that is that your salvation is protected, that you have been given salvation, and there is no man, there is no sin, there is nothing that can take that away from you because God provided that salvation to you, and God holds on to that. And what this word says in this, in this scripture is it says, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. means that you have in your own life, came to an altar, wherever it may be, if it's in a cornfield or at this altar or tobacco patch or at your work under your desk, where whatever altar you fell at before God, where that salvation moment took place where you accepted him, you have been kept from that very moment. A God that would take away his free gift of salvation is not a truthful God. You look at a lot of other religions, you look at cults in the world, and they say, you got to live this way, do this, 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 and this, and this, and one day you die, and then you go into whatever they call it, whatever their version of heaven is. It's funny, everybody has the same, all these different religions, they have the same kind of thought. We want to die and go to heaven. We want to die and go wherever they call it. But there's only one way, and it's through the Lord Jesus. And that's the only way you can be kept. The only way anything can be given, as it says here, anything that can be, the only way anything can be given and it truly be eternal, the only way it'll truly last forever, says here, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that not fadeth away reserved in heaven for you. Do you have many things that you own that is incorruptible? Do you own many things that are undefiled? Do you own many things that fadeth not away? Salvation is like a new penny. I mean, it just shines forever. It gets a little dirty on one side and you just shine it up, buff it up. 
Ask God to, he's got to do it for you. <laughs> Ask him to buff your salvation up a little bit. He, you can regain that joy that you had the day you were saved. Yeah. Told you about that little church I grew up in. And we went, I don't, we were probably at Kmart. And our we was with our pastor, Kmart, rest in peace. We were with our pastor. And he got me on a little, I saw this dark blue Hot Wheels bicycle. I was probably four or five years old. And our preacher, he was my buddy. He, got, he, he said, why don't you ride that thing? Try that out. I, and it was just me and him. Mom and dad weren't standing there, were you? I'll tell you what, I rode that thing all the way to the cash register. He bought that little bicycle for me. And he have, has never, that's been 21, 22, however many years ago, he's never asked for it back. And it's, it's not incorruptible. It needs a little work. But I tell you what, it won't be long, and that one right there will be riding it. He'll be able to use it. He has that opportunity. And thank God, thank God my, never, my preacher never called me 15 years later. Hey, I got a grandkid now. I need that bicycle back. No, he gave me something that he intended for me to have forever. That may be simple, but that's all this book is, is simple truths that we need to try to understand, that God can help us understand. We'll shine it up, put some new wheels and tires on it. Last time I rode it, I was about 14, and I blew the back tire off of it. I was too big. We'll put some new wheels and tires on it, shine it up a little bit. He'll be able to take part in it. That inheritance that's incorruptible, because it's incorruptible in me, because it's internal in me, I want to share it with the others around me. This is the only thing you'll ever count on. This is the only thing you'll ever own. This is the only thing you'll ever have that is truly eternal. My grandfather, when I was 15, my, my dad's dad, he gave me his old truck, 1987 Ford F-250. Uh, you, there's a hole in the floorboard. It's, a, it's been at the shop for two years. I'm ready to get it back, but my goodness, I'm afraid to drive it. The tires are rotted out. I love it, but it's not incorruptible. It's not undefiled. It, it needs some work. You might be riding down the road and your foot hanging out of the floor. That's the things of this earth. But our eternal security is not that way. It's locked down forever. Shelby and I bought life insurance recently, and I felt like such an adult. <laughs> I bought life insurance. In a moment, I can be dead, and that life insurance doesn't mean squat to me. That can help others, but it's gone. There I am. I'm facing eternity. The things of this world, they're just temporal. They're not incorruptible. They're not undefiled. They fade away. Your marriage... You'll see times, that I think the marriage is the closest thing to the relationship that we have with God that you'll see in your life. Because you, you can work to get it back where it goes. You can work to try to keep it true. You can work to try to keep the joy. But even the marriage, when you die, we become eternal beings. And that's, I'm not 100% sure what that looks like. I haven't studied that to the extent, but what I can find, that's even something that fades away. It's sad hurts but we pass in eternity these things don't matter 
God has some evident everlasting life. His life that he offers is eternal for us. But he also has evident eternal intentions for us. His intentions through his salvation, John 6, 37, it says, All that the Father giveth me <clears throat> shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. You know what that means? His intentions for salvation are those that would come to him. He wants to welcome them in. He wants to mark them as his. He wants to set those and put those as part of his body. He wants to make those as part of his flock. That's his intentions. He doesn't just say, well, you've done this right in your life. You're the only one that can be saved. He doesn't lay that before us. There are people that hate. There are people that steal. There are people that, are, that will kill, that do wrong, that in, in cold, in, 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 ungodly, in ungodly ways, ungodly things they do. They hurt others, cause pain, cause division. But God will still save them. Because those that come to him, those that come to him, he says, I will in no wise cast out. We were studying in school. They used to teach you about this stuff, but we were learning about the Holocaust. In school, that was one of the big things I remember learning about. And you hear about this stuff that these people done. To other people, the things, the, the, the atrocities that were committed, the persecution, true persecution. We talk about it today. We hadn't seen things to this scale. This persecution that took place against the Jews and other groups in Europe. It took, I, one day I was praying and I, I was thinking about that. And I, I, I just can't understand why men would want to do those types of things. Thankfully, at that time, we had men that, young men too, that would, that were there to stand up against it. But I was praying, God, and, and, and I shut my mouth and I had this thought. God loved, loved Adolf Hitler like he loves me. Gosh, that's a hard thing for me to comprehend. I remember when Osama bin Laden died and people were celebrating. I mean, I grew up and I was in, I remember when 9-11 happened. And people were just, I mean, it was like a relief as a nation. We finally got vengeance. We finally got justice. God loved him just like he loves me. And if he came to God and asked him to be saved, God would be a liar if he didn't offer that opportunity. That's a hard thing for me to think about. Men that will kill in cold blood, that's wrong. But God loves them. God cares for them. He has evident eternal intentions for any that will come to him you know what's even harder is some of the people that have done me wrong that have directly done me wrong it's hard for me to consider and think about how God loves them just like he loves me he has evident eternal intentions for anyone who would come Romans 6 23 it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That proves his attentions right there. That's a gift that he has given. And as I said, if that's something that he wants to take away and take back, he has every right to. But he would make himself a liar if he did. Because he tells us that that is his gift that he gives. 
That's why I believe in the eternal security of the believer. That's why we must grasp and understand that. If we want to be effective at gaining disciples, if we want to be effective at witnessing and sharing the gospel of Christ, we need to know in our own hearts that what we're sharing is an inheritance incorruptible. Ever, evident everlasting life, evident eternal intentions, evident eternal conversion. He makes it clear to us that this is a once and forever salvation. Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Hold on just a second. Romans 10, 13, that's proof right there that God will save anyone. Anyone. Whether we, not, whether we like it or not. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You know what he does with all of that? All that could be against us, held against us. I think about crime and punishment in the world we see today. And I'll be honest with you. That's one area right there where I could get in the flesh pretty quick. You see somebody hurt children? In my mind, we'd be better off getting them off the face of the earth. Just get them out of here. These child molesters and rapists and serial killers... Get them out of here. But I have to look at the New Testament a little bit as well. I'm not just looking at the Old Testament. <laughs> the way they handled things back then, crime, I will say, was at an all-time low in many situations in those days. But we live in a day, I, I, I'm confused by why in the world there doesn't seem to be consequences. Seems like you go kill a dog, and I don't, you, don't, you shouldn't kill a dog unless it really does something to make it need killing. But you go kill a dog and you get, get in more trouble, Jonathan. <laughs> go crack me up here. <laughs> but <laughs> but you, go, you go do something like that and you get in more trouble than you do. You have an abortion. That's fine. Oh, that's, that's fine. We don't understand and protect the sanctity of human life. If I didn't want that young'un right there, I'd hope somebody would whip me till I did. But I would hope that if, if I couldn't take that responsibility, I can't even think of my mind about that. But I'd hope that I'd think, well, I, somebody else can take care of him. Not, I'm going to kill him. Seems to me there's not consequences that match up with the, the things that are done. But I'm not God. Vengeance is not mine. So it's hard for me to grasp and to comprehend this verse in 2 Corinthians where it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. What it means to be a new creature is all those old things all those ungodly things are wiped and washed away. The wrong's done. I know people that are saved and are heading to heaven and they've, they've had an abortion. That they redeem for that and they carry that every single day. They hurt from that. They see children and they, they have a hard time even just not welling up and, and crying because they, they know the consequences of, of the decisions they've made on this earth. I know people that in cold blood have killed other people that are saved. I know people that uh, have cheated on their spouses and they're saved. I know people that have done wrong things. And as this scripture says, they have been made a new creature. It has been washed and it has been wiped away because at Romans 10.13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become are become new. We live with the consequences of what we used to be, but we ought we shouldn't. If this is where the believer and the make believer, they, they start you start to see that dividing line. The believer doesn't go back into those old ways. You might do wrong, you might sin, but there are consequences. You know, as soon as you do something wrong, sometimes in an instant. I got angry the other day. I knew the thought that I had. I'd like to wear that person out. I'd, I'd like to give them a piece of my mind. In an instant, God dealt with me, and I knew I was wrong. Sometimes I sin, and I live with it for a couple days. And I feel so bad, and I feel so guilty. That proves to me that there's something inside guiding me. That proves to me that I have a relationship, an inheritance incorruptible inside. But the make-believer, they're not a new creature. Those old things, they're not passed away. All things are not become new for them. They're the same old wicked, vile creature they were to begin with. What we used to be if you're saved this morning. I'm almost done. I'm passionate about this one. We've got to understand that what God's given us is eternally secure. And it's secured by him. He is the insurance for our salvation. He paid it all. He wrote the check, signed in blood, for you and for me. I think about who I was, lost and undone. And I, I said this last week, I'm going to say it again. Before I was saved, and I was just a little boy. But I, and I said this last week, I'm going to say it again. I went home and I laid down, I went to bed on a Wednesday night. And I knew that if I died that very night, that I would die and go to hell. So you're just a kid. I was, but I had come to the age of accountability. I began to understand the consequences, the implications of my actions because I knew better. God had shown me that I knew better. And on a Thursday night, I can still, I had my face buried in that couch, bawling my eyes out. I can't remember what I said. Can't remember what happened. Can't remember what went on other than the fact that I got something right with Jesus. I became a new creature. And I tell you what, I've sinned since then. I'm not going to lie to you. I've done wrong. But there has been on my heart that knocking. There has been in my life, you're doing wrong. God didn't even have to say it. He just It was just the Spirit brought it before my eyes. Spirit dealt with me. I opened up this word and tried to grow spiritually, and I realized, oh, my goodness, I've got some spiritual uh, disconnect between me and God. I've got to get right. Back to our original scripture, it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Sometimes you might find the sheep wandering away a little bit. You might find the sheep, they're up on the side of the mountain, and the rest of the herd's down in the valley. I'm there, I'm honest, I'm there sometimes. I'm floating down the river sometimes. Somebody's got to come save me. That's just the way life goes. But I'm still part of the flock. And forevermore, I have security in the salvation, the gift that God give, gave. And like this scripture says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. 
My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. We have eternal security finally because he said so. Because he said so. Who's he? The creator of this entire existence before us. The creator of you, the creator of me, the creator of everything that we see, everything we know, everything we read. That's why I have eternal security. When Jesus says there, my father which give them, gave them me is greater than all. That's who he is. He says in the next verse, I and my father are one. That's why I believe in eternal security. That's the one thing in this world you can count on. You might not be able to count on your car. You might not be able to count on your friends. You might not be able to count on some of you. You might not be able to count on your family. I don't know. But you can count on eternal security. Wonder if anyone.